Hey, listeners, if you are thinking about divorce and concerned about your children, please go to my online parenting plan course. It will help you plan how you're going to parent through divorce and beyond. And I promise you, it will keep conflicts from erupting in the future while keeping you centered on your children. Check it out at lisakoski.com. Your listeners could even build out their own family tree. And so instead of filling in the labels of, you know, Uncle Phil and, you know, Aunt Susie over here, we more want to look at where did love stop flowing? What happened between mom and her mom? What happened with grandpa? What do I know about him? And you'd be surprised how many people think, oh gosh, you know, my dad never talked about his dad. I don't know. And so it opens up this opportunity to have a very different conversation if you're lucky enough to have your parents still alive. Or if you've got aunts and uncles, you can check in some of that family history. The more you know your family history, the more well-equipped you can be with your own healing. Welcome to Doing Divorce Different. Join family law attorney turned mediator, Lisa Kosky, for candid conversations on how to alleviate the fear of divorce and how to heal through empowerment. Now, your host, Lisa Kosky. Welcome, listeners. I have a treat for you today. I have Johanna Lynn, and we're going to be talking about what divorce taught her about love and marriage and relationships. And I love this so much because no matter where you are in your divorce journey, if you're just starting, if you've been divorced for a long time, I kind of have an inkling that we're going to find some gifts in what Johanna has learned. And I just want to say Johanna is the founder of the Family Imprint Institute. I'm sure we're going to learn more about that. But we're going to start by just getting to know Johanna and what her story is, what led you to do what you do, and give us a little more information about what you do. So welcome, Johanna. We are so grateful to have you here. Oh, thank you for the warm welcome. Like many professionals that find their way into work that's meaningful, we have our own heartbreak, our own sort of experience of why we do the work that we do. And I'm no different. You know, I've always been interested in people and curious about patterns, but it wasn't until my own relationship sort of fell apart that I really studied beyond the books and beyond my psychology degree to really find out what do I do with how things came apart. And so the affair got revealed and all of the parts of life that fall apart from when trust is broken and when there is such a a shock, really. Mm -hmm. And I think that had me really dedicated to find what I hadn't found elsewhere. And I was so grateful to come across this work that I get to do now today because it filled in so many blanks that other things I'd tried just didn't. And so the idea that how we were loved as a child imprints how we show up to love and gosh, even how we navigate separation. And so for me, it was such a time to learn when everything was so raw and so vulnerable. It really allowed me to kind of, I guess, be more humble and take a look at things with a fresh perspective. And so for me, it was, you know, what was my part in the contribution of the breakdown of the relationship, even though he was the one that had the affair, instead of getting lost in blame and resentment and anger, I mean, 
all those things were there in the beginning, but mm-hmm. to not live by that place going forward because I was in a place that hurt so much. I just didn't ever want to replicate it. And so I wanted to understand where that pattern of loving came from so that I could truly heal and move forward in a very new direction. So you sound so calm and like (laughs) this just flowed. (laughs) I'm guessing. Okay, so tell me, were you in the throes of a divorce or finding out about the affair when you found a new type of therapy? Is that kind of what you're talking about? So at the time I was practicing massage therapy and the okay. studies I had done had been more of personal interest. It was my, you know, uh, university degree kind of thing, just of my own interest. And yep. then sort of the rubber hit the road and things kind of came apart. And that natural curiosity led to a, well, I need to do this now, ready or not. I need to really look at my part and how this got to be where it was. And so, yeah, it wasn't all calm and and put together. There was a lot of chaos, a lot of just deep, deep pain and grief and uncertainty and all of those emotions that come up before finding what felt like new ground. Right. Okay. And I find that when you take this opportunity to kind of work on yourself, you are setting yourself up. This is what I always tell people, work on yourself so that you're not in that situation again. I don't want to see my darling clients or listeners to be going through this again. And we know it's 74% of the time in a second marriage, there's divorce. So, you know, working on yourself is, I'm such a believer in that. So now I really want to dig in because I don't know anything about what you're going to talk about. I don't know about this kind of therapy. I don't really know about looking at how you were loved. And, you know, I look at, I, I deal a lot with your mindset and changing that, but please explain a little bit more about the process. Yeah. So really the premise comes from epigenetics. It's a, a science that we now have maybe 15 to 20 years in deep, deep research and understanding what went on for our grandparents and our parents, experiences, traumas, heartache, whatever hasn't been resolved gets passed on to us literally in the DNA. And so a lot of my clients think this is just how love goes for me, or I was just born anxious. This is just how I move through the world. And my question is, and it's sort of based on my favorite teacher's book, his book title is, It Didn't Start With You. And so this curiosity are, what are we carrying that didn't originate with us, but is literally imprinted at the level of the DNA? So when we look at it from a relational perspective, how I love, how I deal with conflict, how I approach communication has everything to do with our family of origin. And so a lot of what I teach my clients is systems marry systems. And so how is what's coming up in this relationship, whether it's being tried to be reconciled or we're coming apart and how do we do that in the most healthy way possible is to understand, oh, no wonder this triggers me so much, you know, him on his phone all the time or traveling for work. Well, I had a workaholic mom or dad. It feels very familiar. And yet I get lost in feeling not worth it, that he must not be engaged in our marriage if he's always off doing things. And the thing we skip over is we fall in love with the familiar, not necessarily even what you might tell a friend we would want in a relationship. 
Okay, so now I have to backtrack a little. So I always thought that was just kind of learned behavior. You know, you watch the pattern of, but you're saying it's it's actually in the DNA. Yes, it's imprinted. So it feels more like a reference point in our body. When this happens out here with my spouse, I feel X. And then we get caught in this loop of I'm not loved or I'm too needy or whatever the set point is. And we've got to really look at what does the partner spark in us? And then we kind of go back and look at our own family of origin. Oh, I sort of feel like a teenager who's digging my heels in because this reminds me of the power struggle with mom or dad. Or here I am, the toddler who's, I don't know, mom had to go back to work and you weren't developmentally ready. And that feeling of your spouse not being there triggers all of that sort of unprocessed emotional material in your body. And so the relationship triggers, but it's up to us to do that deeper work. Otherwise, it kind of happens again. Right. And I I can only imagine that it carries on into the future. So can you kind of end that? Can you stop? Yeah. The biggest almost excitement for my clients is the protection of their children. Right. So it's less about what happened to us. A lot of trauma therapists speak about this, and it's more about how we can make sense of it. Can I really come to completion with the anger, with the resentment, with the heartache? Can I move forward? Can I speak about my child's other parent with love and reverence? And, and you know, the goal, the, the gold star, if you will, would be to be able to say to your kiddos, when I first met your dad, you know, gosh, we right. would laugh for hours. And your sense of humor reminds me so much of him. Because I think our kids, they know inherently they're half of that other parent. Mm -hmm. And when they overhear us, you know, venting to our sister or, you know, overhear us even in an argument with their other parent, this can be so, so difficult for the kids. Okay. So I love that because, you know, children are my passion and that probably Mm -hmm. is why I am doing the work that I'm doing. But I'm just thinking maybe if you can help me look at something in my own life, Maybe it's going to help people with what they're going through. It's not exactly a relationship, but when you were talking about, you said anxiety or relationships, and I thought, I am such an odd duck because I cannot feel why, I don't know, understand why I have anxiety. And I am a person that will wake up in the middle of the night, terrified and not been thinking about anything and not, and I have now, my, I have grandchildren now. I have passed that along to my children. So just like someone who's maybe in a bad relationship and doesn't want to do that again, I kind of don't want to do this anymore. Mm-hmm. And I don't know where it comes from. I have no idea. Can you help me with that? Absolutely. What a great example. And so the work that we would do is really start off by building what I start with every client is a three-generation geneagram. So we start to look at what experiences might have happened in the family system. And that's something I really have grown to appreciate about this work. All I really need are the facts of the family. A lot of therapy or sort of healing work goes into the story of what happened. And we end up really bringing up a lot of that anxiety again, even just in describing it. And so what we'd be looking for is really specific experiences that happened to your grandparents or your parents, 
we'd be looking for where did love stop flowing in any of these relationships? Like if grandma and mom are estranged, a lot of times that example can be heritable. So let's say grandma and mom are estranged and mom feels this panic of lack of attachment, lack of connection, lack of guidance. Well, that's not a far cry from cultivating a lot of anxiety and feeling like you've got to do it all on your own. So that's an example of sometimes like I didn't have any experiences that would have me feeling anxious. Mm -hmm. This is an example of how you'd be carrying it. When you brought that up, one thing that I thought of is my great grandma, who I knew well, I think they came here from Ireland. She probably had nine kids and her husband died when my grandma, who was one of the oldest, was like 16. Now, I didn't know him. I didn't know her at the time. I knew my grandma and I watched my my grandma still to her. I mean, right before she passed away, could not talk about the death of her father without crying. Wow. So that's what came into my head. So is that kind of something you'd be looking Absolutely. for? Absolutely. So that element of unprocessed grief, you know how many of us are, our grieving cycle is our own yes. and per- it's personal, but typically we don't carry it lifelong, you know, so we know that it's an incomplete or unprocessed yes. emotion. And so any time where one of many children were, we have to also take into consideration the generational timing, what resources would have been available or not. Mm-hmm. And so suddenly great grandma is a single mom. And then her daughter, your grandma is very young. The loss of a parent can be huge and how it changes the whole flow of the family. She might've had to grow up before her time. And this feeling of, That panicked anxiety, hypervigilance could have started in that spark. And then that's what's carried on through the line. So that's a perfect example of the kind of things we're looking for. Okay. So for, so this is an example. So for the listeners, if you're going through something difficult like this, look back in your family and maybe see what kind of pops into your head with some of these facts. And then, but then, and so then now I'm, I'm thinking, Well, now what do I do with that? Because I know I've had grief and I've, you know, I've had loss and I've had to work through it and you carry it with you. You still learn how to find joy as you carry that grief. But how do I do that for my grandma? Or how do I heal that, you know? And so this is where the sort of the heart of the work that I come in does. And so we really lead you on a bit of an experiential process. And so there are different ways that we can do it. But a, one easiest example to explain is having you, the client, close your eyes. You, the client, imagine a conversation with great grandma to be able to say to her, great grandma, look at me. All of my life, I've carried this heavy weight of anxiety. My gosh, I wake up in the middle of the night and it's like, you know, my heart is going to burst out of my chest and it's become so heavy to carry. Great grandma, in this experience, I've even shared it with my own children. Gosh, maybe even my grandchildren. And it all originates back, I'm guessing, from your loss, from your having sort of the the rug pulled out from under you and having to reassess things like survival, providing for your kids, my grandmother, And all this time I've been carrying what's yours. And so there's this whole process in a way of giving back the emotion, the experience, the 
whatever that stuck point is, back to the origin of where it happened. And it may sound simple as I'm describing it, but the person that's experiencing it, it's like an unwinding of the pent-up emotion that's been set in the body sometimes for generations. A lot of my clients, and I've certainly felt this way, of course, I've done this work myself, a lot of heat, a lot of tingling, a lot of, it's almost like a reorganization from the inside. And what happens is you typically go back into your relationships or go back into your own conversation with yourself related to confidence or this example of anxiety Mm -hmm. with a different relationship with it. You're just feeling calmer. You're feeling more integrated. This is really at the heart of finding self-regulation because it's not at, it's not in competition for the anxiety. You can take up more space in that calm. I like that. Okay. Finding self-regulation. I have to say too, as we're talking through this, I'm thinking through my great grandma and what she went through and how my fear, my anxiety is often about health. Uh, the health of my children, the health of my, the health of me, the health that, you know, a lot of times it's about that. And I thought, Ooh, isn't that, or about providing, you know, well, and if we look at those two primary themes, my gosh, that would have been everything running through your great grandma's mind yeah. and heart. Interesting. Okay. So listeners, I want you to know, I'm going to do this exercise and I'm going to in the saddle up segment that I do after this, I'm going to talk about what I felt and if it's changed my reaction to anxiety, but you said something about it's the start to finding self-regulation. Yeah. Tell me more about that. What does that mean? Self-regulation comes from co-regulation because everything we understand about ourselves, at least from the perspective of this work, is in the context of our whole life experience as well as our family experience. So what I mean by co-regulation, by the time we're about five or six, we've really learned about ourselves through our primary caregiver, typically our mom. And so we learn how to self-regulate through her co-regulation. So if we have a mom who's patient and kind and attuned to our needs, we become much more emotionally healthy as we grow into adulthood. Most people who find their way to work with me haven't had that as a beginning, which is why we need to work with self-regulation, which is why it's so important, whomever you might be working with listeners, that they're self-regulated. A lot of therapists get into this work to sort out their own stuff and they end up passing it along to their clients. A lot of therapists are not taught to think systemically and we've got to be able to build in that full context to know how am I responding to this? And how is it helping the client? And so we've got to kind of come in to be really grounded in our own body and in our own experience. So let's use your example of, I get heightened about my health and the health of my children. We move through a global pandemic, like we've been through the last three years. We can have a very hard time having discernment about what's being said and what we're being told if we've got the lens of, I'm afraid of getting sick. I'm afraid of my kids getting sick. Mm -hmm. So this idea of how do I move through the choices in my life to be sure they're not impacted by what I'm carrying from the past. The more self-regulated we are, the more present in, in our body we are, the more we're able to make the best decision for us now with that clarity. So when you say self-regulate it, you mean to sit and become aware? Is that what what you're talking about or am I missing the boat? 
that's part of it. So self-regulated is how we feel on the inside. So that I could be in a terrible traffic situation and I'm not going to freak out and get all agitated. Mm -hmm. The environment around me can do what it's going to do. And I'm able to stay with myself. Okay. So a self-regulated person could have a dinner with a very difficult mother-in-law and respond very differently to someone who has a really hard time staying regulated. So, so how do you help yourself self-regulate? How do you help yourself self-regulate? You clear out your influences of the past. You start to understand, ooh, that's my great grandma's anxiety. And that's the lens I've been looking at my decisions and my relationships through. This is how my body has been responding. But gosh, maybe it's not even mine. And so self-regulation has to do with, I guess, looking at where what repair might be needed from our early life experience where we might have felt disconnected from our parents, where we might fight for belonging with our family, where we lose ourselves in connections. Okay. So if I do this work and I look at this and then what, what would be the next step? And then we want to really bring this into practice. And so as life happens for all of us, we go back into maybe that difficult family gathering. Or uncle so-and-so dies and we've got to go to a funeral and oh, there's that difficult cousin. Or now I have to see my mom that I'd rather not. And so we start to hold that self-regulation. We'll go back to that example. We are different. So now we show up in these maybe what used to be charged situations with a much more full way of engaging. We trust ourselves more. We're not giving ourselves away for connection. We're not making nice with somebody that's very difficult to be in relationship mm-hmm. with. We're more boundaried. We're more grounded. We are more sort of who we want to be instead of having the environment around us squeeze us into something we've learned in our family. Okay. So it's kind of practice. Yeah. And you're going to have, I mean, just like everything, you're going to have all these opportunities. And I, and I say that about triggers, you know, triggers with a co-parent, Ooh, another opportunity to, you know, give us all kinds of them. Yep. So it's kind of in line with that. So, so interesting, Johanna, this has gone a totally different direction than I thought it was going to go. It's healing for me. And I, I'm not lying when we are done with this podcast, I'm going to sit down and do a little work and see um, how it makes me feel. And then think through, because I do some coaching, you know, on your mindset and I kind of think through how these are kind of working together. You know, I don't usually look back at the past. I'm not a therapist. I try to help people move forward. Mm -hmm. But kind of what you're saying is maybe you need to look at that in order to move forward. It's a little bit like unpacking your trunk before we're able to, you know, fully yeah. go on that that vacation. We've got to make space for the new stuff that we want to welcome in. And we yeah. don't recognize what our blind spots are. Yeah. They're still a part of us. Before I go, I just want to let you know some exciting news. In addition to my online parenting plan course, I now have the Minnesota Divorce paperwork course. This course is going to hold your hand through the mediation process and the Minnesota divorce paperwork. 
It's easy, effective, comprehensive. You will have what you need to file for divorce with this course. Check it out at lisakoski.com. My eyes are being opened. (laughs) I so appreciate you. You're going to make me a healthier person, a better mediator. This information is so helpful. And we are like getting towards the end of this episode. So as you know, as we get towards the end, I have my saddle up segment where I just ask my guests to give a little insight or a key takeaway, something that the listeners could do right now just to have a better life or heal sooner. Whatever. Do you have something for? Oh, yeah. Just based on what we were talking about, your listeners could even build out their own family tree. And so instead of filling in the labels of, you know, Uncle Phil and, you know, Aunt Susie over here, we more want to look at where did love stop flowing? What happened between mom and her mom? What happened with grandpa? What do I know about him? And you'd be surprised how many people think, oh, gosh, you know, my dad never talked about his dad. I don't know. And so it opens up this opportunity to have a very different conversation if you're lucky enough to have your parents still alive. Or if you've got aunts and uncles, you can check in some of that family history. The more you know your family history, the more well-equipped you can be with your own healing. So, so good. Johanna, thank you so much. Now, tell me if my listeners want to find you, work with you, we're going to have it in the show notes, but where can they find you? Yeah, they can visit my website at www.joannalynn.ca. There's lots of articles and even other podcasts if they want to dive into this topic a little further. I write weekly articles, or I should say newsletters on LinkedIn. And so it's just under my name there if they want to learn more about epigenetics and I give lots of relationship tips there. And they can find me under the Family Imprint Institute on Instagram. Wonderful. So if you're going through divorce, and you really want to heal, dig deep so that you are setting yourself up. Use it as an opportunity for a better future. That's right. No need to carry that pain forward. No, we want to suffer less. That's right. Johanna, it has been a pleasure. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you. I just wanted to pop in here quick before the saddle up segment and this whole thing winds down. And I want to tell you about my parenting plan online course. It is for you if you are terrified that divorce is going to ruin your children. I'm here to assure you that you can co-parent really well together. And I have an online course that is going to walk you through a parenting plan You will have a piece of your divorce done. If you want to work with a mediator, you can bring the paperwork in and that portion is complete. It's easy, affordable, quick, and effective. And it will be part of your divorce paperwork if you'd like it to, or you can just use it to co-parent well with another parent. It goes over all the things that you may not be thinking of when you're in the midst of an emotional time like divorce. So please go to lisakoski.com, check on my online courses and sign up for the parenting plan course now because when parents work together, they can mitigate the damages caused by divorce to their children. 
Thank you for listening to the Doing Divorce Different podcast. Connect with us at lisakoski.com and sign up for our newsletter.